Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Granite Blitz right here on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and as always on Block Talk Radio, your host Oscar Lopez here. We're going to have a great show today. we got the salty one, Mackenzie Brooks, in the house, along with the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis, and we're going to be running down some stuff that's happening, uh, breaking news, uh, Ron, uh, Rob Gronkowski going to Tampa Bay to meet up with Tom Brady, should be official at this point from all the sources um, in the mass media. And then we're going to talk NFL Draft 2020. Who's going to, you know, who does uh, McKenzie and Holly think is going to land in number one through ten at this point? We're also going to get uh, some news and notes from the WFLA. A lot of news and notes coming from WFLA. Uh, uh, cool things happening with the WNFC on Facebook. Um, so other than that, a uh, little bit of everything. We should be out of here in an hour or so, and should be a, a very good, fast. Uh, Blitz show today. We have no guests on tonight, so we're going to be talking pretty much NFL Draft 2020, uh, including all the other news that I just talked about. So let's bring in the salty one, Mackenzie Brooks, and the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis, in the house. Um, ladies, uh, I guess Rob is back. I guess he's going to relinquish his WWE championship. Yeah. So does this mean we have to call them? Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying this is this is something. Um, I don't think this was. I was not expecting the Gronk to come out of nobody's retirement. I'm not going to sit here and lie to y'all. Yet I'm not actually super surprised about it. Um, I just I don't know. I I have mixed feelings. Holly, what do you think? I think like I do have mixed feelings about it. I think um, you know. Uh, I understand the thought um, of wanting to bring Tom Brady's uh, basically security blanket to uh, Tampa Bay. But then I'm kind of thinking, how is that going to fit in their offensive system? How are they going to integrate, um, you know, Gronkowski, especially considering he has a history of uh, injuries? How's that going to work? You already have uh, weapons there and with OJ Howard and, and I, it's, it's, I don't know. I, like, it's one of those things where on paper it seems great because you're bringing his favorite weapon. But I don't know how that's going to work in reality. Uh, they're going to have to do some work to integrate um, that piece into their system. Holly, they have weapons. They got Evans, Godwin, uh, mm-hmm. pretty good upgrade on defense. Um, so, you know, it's a good idea. I, will the line offensively will be the key? Uh, for the success, I think the line is what nobody's talking about, which I think is where everybody should be talking about. Oh, yeah. I think that has been obviously a a weak point for them, um, especially last year. Um, and, you know, I think that's going to be a key point that they probably look to address in, in, the, in the draft now, for sure. Um, you know, I think that they have some pieces. Like you said, I think – um, it's just going to be interesting how they integrate uh, Gronk into that system. Um, I mean, I don't think they're going to necessarily be Super Bowl contenders right out of the box. I do think they'll be competitive, 
but I'm really curious to see how they're going to put all these pieces together. Uh, you're right, in the draft, I suspect they'll probably focus on the offensive line. Mackenzie, durability is what Holly was is, is saying here. We we obviously have to question that at this point, given the fact that it's history. So is that something to you as well? Like, how durable is he going to be? she there? Mac, are you there? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Oh, strange. I, I was going to say, uh, well, what do you think of the durability for Gronk? I mean, that's what – I mean, to Holly's point, that that could be a key indicator where if a uh, you know Bruce Arians doesn't use him as maybe uh, New England, where you New England used him, but you know in New England, literally, if you think about it, he got a, a lot of abuse because he was the one guy that everybody was focusing on, and they were all. So here we got Evans and Godwin. You got a little bit different weapons. Yeah, you know, I think with him going to Tampa Bay and not being. I mean, he's still going to be one of their main targets anyway because he's Rob Gronkowski and he's 6'7 and he plays tight end. Um, with that being said, he's also he's also he's gonna he's also gonna bring something to that to that Tampa Bay offense that they've never had before, which was versatility. He he does many things and does many things well. Um, I think my only concern is since he's been off, um, you know, I guess for. I guess what would have been an entire season if if everything you know happens to uh, keep on with the pandemic and everything. I think with them having that break, it's going to save his durability. Now, you know, obviously, me and Holly both know it, it's different coming off of you know coming off of a break than it is to keep going continuously um, with durability. So I, I mean, honestly, I think you know OTAs and, and practice and game situations are are really how I'm going to be able to tell. Well, the durability part is probably the only key on there, but for a full team effort, I think New England didn't give up much because uh, Belichick always drafts lower rounds anyways. So no matter what they gave them, I think he's going to be, you know, we're going to see the, I don't know, uh, Holly, what do you think? New England, uh, if New England is successful, once again, under, you know, with Hoyer as an example, it would be then considered that the coaches makes the quarterback, right? That would be the question mark because if Brady somehow falters with, you know, even with Gronk available, Evans and Godwin, you know, all these weapons available, then we're going to say Arians just wasn't the guy that was, you know, for uh, Brady's skill set. So there's going to be a lot of debate as we go into the season once it happens because if New England does somehow stay on course, then we're going to question if Tampa Bay falters, and then we're going to say, okay, maybe it wasn't Winston. Maybe it was just the coaching staff. Then we're going to start all these questions. Yeah, I think um, basically what you have to, I I guess, understand as a whole is that uh, a successful offensive team is not just one part of the equation. There's a whole equation there. You need a strong quarterback. You need a strong system. You need a strong coach and or offensive coordinator, whoever is running the offense. And you need all of those things to, to work together. So you're taking a historical, very successful tandem with Belichick and Brady, and you're putting Brady in a different environment, which I think one of the things with Gronk that 
you know, coming available, which is interesting to me. But kind of sad is I kind of wanted to see Tom Brady on his own. Um, I kind of wanted to see what he would be like um, in a new system without uh, with, with different personnel and people he's not used to. Um, but I think uh, as a whole, it is going to be a, kind of an experiment this season. But I think no matter how it plays out, it's never going to be the full picture because you have to also take into consideration that Brady is older. Um, and then Gronk, like uh, Mac was saying, there's a difference between when you're injured and you're you're off because you're injured because you are still preparing to try to play. So you're still rehabbing, you're still training, right? But if you're sitting on a couch not doing anything, um, we saw what happened with Marshawn Lynch when they tried to bring him back. It's just really hard to, to go from zero to 60 as a football player like that, especially when you're older and especially when you have a history of injuries like Ron Cass. So I think it's going to be interesting no matter what, but I think unfortunately we'll never get the full answer because the Brady situation could be great or it could be not so great, um, and there's going to be a lot to debate. But honestly, I think um, the Patriots are going to be just fine. They're going to have uh, some trial and error at the quarterback spot. But I, I suspect that if they don't draft one, they're going to pick up, uh, you know, where they left off on the defensive side and try to find that next piece at quarterback. All right. Um, Mackenzie, are you in the same, you know, perspective here that New England's probably going to be the same? Probably not much of a drop-off at this point. And are we really looking at Tampa Bay and scoping Tampa Bay for the season? Um, scoping Tampa Bay for the season, definitely, yes. I mean, obviously, you just picked up the GOAT, and the GOAT's probably 2A or 2B at this point. Um, As far as New England dropping off, uh, the only part of their offense that's not going to drop off is going to be Julian Edelman. They don't have who's gonna who's gonna get him the ball is gonna be the question. Who's gonna you know who's gonna who's gonna be on that tight end side where they like to throw all the heavy the heavy passes to the one you know to that side. Who who is that who's that person gonna be? And you know it's just it's really just gonna depend. And I think if I'm gonna be completely honest, I think that um I think the Patriots go after a big quarterback this this draft. Um, and, and actually utilize that big quarterback. Who that quarterback will be, I can't tell you. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, that's. I mean, we're pretty much on the same page about about that. I just, I do think there's going to be more more drop off than people think there will be with the Patriots. Um, Holly, let's uh, just finish it up here. Uh, Arians, if he if Brady doesn't do well, will this be on Arians? <laughs> No, I, I don't think so. I think I think you have to um, again understand that there's more to offensive success than the one piece of that equation, right? So, if you're getting Tom Brady at the end of his career, even though he's Tom Brady, you're forcing him out of his comfort zone in a new environment with a new team, and he's never not been uh, with the, the Patriots and He's had, um, you know, the benefit of having a similar system the entire time he's been there. So now you're putting him in um, a situation where he's out of his comfort zone. I don't think it would be on Arians if it didn't go as well. I think, um, 
I don't think you could put all of that on him, but it will be interesting to see how that goes uh, this season to see if this experiment works or not. I do think um, that you'll see better results than uh, Winston because Winston having 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions, that tells you he has bad decision-making skills because the 30 touchdowns shows he can he can make the right read sometimes, but the 30 pick the 30 pick stat shows you he makes the bad read the other half of the time. Or the good thing about Tom Brady is he is good at reading. But it's one for and, one, Holly. One pick for one pass. <laughs> Which is really bad. <laughs> so, but and that's the reason why Winston lost his job, right? But in Brady, yeah. at least you know, even if he is older, he has really good decision making. Um, and so I think uh, that will be to his advantage. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but no, I don't think it would all be on Arians if it doesn't go well. Mackenzie, so do we blame Gazelle if he does if he has an off year and he doesn't look as good as he used to look? Do we blame the wife for moving him to Tampa? Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Nah, I mean, you could. But That'll be the last straw. He I never the last straw on this. <laughs> he, you know, he did inevitably make the decision to leave New England. However, I mean, obviously, him having as persuasive of a significant other as he does and being who he is, you know, you, and if I'm Tom Brady, I'm probably going to, you know, try to make sure my wife is happy. So. So we don't blame Gazelle. Is that what you're saying? We're not blaming the girl for it. No, we can't. Okay. All right. No worries. Um, Then uh, ladies, are you in agreement? If he has a crappy year, let's say crappy year, bad year doesn't get Tampa anywhere, uh, do we still put a statue in New England? Holly, do you think we still yeah. put up a nice statue if he retires like he did, like, uh, you know, Manning and everybody else goes, and then they just kind of, they retire? Do you think they still put a yeah. statue out there for him? Yeah, I mean, you don't you know, knock Michael Jordan for going to, to the Wizards and not doing great. Like, you, right. you have to understand most of like 99% of his career, if he, like, let's say he just ended at the end of this year and it wasn't very great. 99% of his career was amazing and probably the best we've seen, you know, during this time period. So of course it's still going to be statues, um, you know, uh, pretty much anywhere for him. And so I think if you're Brady, that's kind of one of the excellent things um, about this experiment is your talent is not in question right now. Right now what you're really playing for is your legacy because if you can do well in this Tampa situation, then you start to quiet those conversations we have 30 years from now when they're like, well, who was better, Brady or Rogers or this new person now? Like those type of questions will start to be uh, a little more in your favor if you're able to do well this season with Tampa Bay, but if you're not able to do well, I don't think it really hurts you that bad. Everyone still thinks you're amazing. Really what you're playing for right now is your legacy. America, everybody goes through this, right? Manning went through this, Montana. Now we have Brady. Everybody somewhat gets let go from their, you know, their team that they made a mark on. So it's, it's really 
is it, it going to be like Montana is my question. You know, that's, that's what we're waiting. We're going to see whether he plays a good two years but never, doesn't get no playoff you know, performance at this point. So it's going to be, you know, whether he drops off or not is the question. But it's just a cycle, right? The core, at some point, the franchise has just decided that because of age or time or whatever, that they got to move on. And this is kind of similar to Peyton and Montana. Peyton going to Denver and Montana going to Kansas City. You know, I have to agree with Holly. Like, I mean, you have to put the statue up in New England number one because that's yeah. as of right now, that's where he's done all of his damage. That's where he's gotten his. That's how he built his legacy. That's where he came from. So essentially, they can't forget what he did, and just like he can't forget what they did for him, giving him the opportunity. You know, when Bledsoe went down, they called Tom Brady's number, and well, he's been the number ever since. Now, with that being said, um, I will have to agree also with Holly on this, the plain fact that, you know, his, let's say his first year, you know, doesn't go great, doesn't doesn't get to the playoffs, goes maybe 7-9, 8-8, whatever. Okay, that's year one. Year two, he turns it around, and let's just say they end up winning the Super Bowl. That's your legacy right there. I don't think you can judge the. I don't think you can judge the rest of the legacy by the first year by him being on the fir- a first, uh, you know, his first year on a new team. So you're giving him a break. So your assessment is the two year mark will decide whether, at that point, you know, he makes any anything valuable in Tampa. Is that what you're saying? Yes, correct. All right, um, Holly. I don't know. This is I, we don't know if we're gonna have a season or not. We're gonna have a virtual draft, but we don't even know if we're gonna have a season at this point. Goodell said definitely we'll have a season. Uh, no fans in the stands really doesn't hurt the NFL when you look at it from a financial perspective in terms of a year. Uh, it might hurt them starting the you know if you go two years without fans in the stands, but overall it's more of a corporate run mentality anyway. So. Uh, I'm pretty sure ownership in the NFL a year is not going to, uh, you know, hinder them, in other words, financially. <clears throat> no, and and honestly, at this point, as a uh, football and sports fan, I don't even care if there's no fans. I just want to watch it on TV at, at the very least, right? And I think all, you know, people could really agree of that, that we'd rather have no fans um, and something to watch and nothing at all, you know? And uh, so if they're able to, to get through the season without fans, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's really going to hurt them. I don't even think it, a couple of years would hurt them, honestly, if something crazy happened. And then, you know, when it does open back up and they are able to let fans back in, I think it's going to just increase the demand. <clears throat> it's going to be probably pretty crazy for a while. And, um, but no, at, at this point, like, I'm just excited to have something to watch on Thursday. Um, it, I, I, at least as a sports fan, I feel like even if the draft is a little bit different in format, I feel like I'm looking forward to it because it's going to feel like some sort of normal, which we don't really have normal right now. Right. So even having people in like a zoom conference type of setup, is going to make me feel as a sports fan a whole lot better in that moment. So at this point, again, I'm just ready for any kind of football. So 
Um, if if they're needing to do it without the fans, I'm okay with that as long as I can watch it. All right. Mackenzie, um, I don't know. It's like, do you – no fans in the stands? What's your view? I mean, Holly's saying it's not a big deal. We're just going to have football. So is that your take too? You know, naturally being a football player, I have to agree with her. Again, you know, I just want football. I just want sports, period. So if they do have to do it without any fans in the stands, then so be it. Is it going to suck? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, merchandising, you know, all the the things that fans buy while they're at the stadiums, those kind of revenues are going to go down. But as far as viewership, not so much. I mean, TV ratings are going to go skyrocketing, as they already have. Um, there's going to be more people trying to get the NFL, you know, ticket where they can be able to see multiple games. And, I mean, that revenue is going to go up. Um, I mean, at this point, it's really just, you know, it's really just waiting it out. Like, I mean, I know we've, we've said we've been saying that for the past two, three months now. But we really, I mean, we really can't do anything about it. So, you know, if we do have to, you know, if we do have to experience seasons, not having with not being able to go physically to the stadium or to the arenas to watch, then so be it. As long as I can see it while I'm sitting here in my home or, you know, maybe with a couple of friends somewhere else at their homes, then I'm cool with that. All right, Holly, um, XFL uh, Commissioner Luck is suing Vince McMahon and the XFL for some compensation issues. Um, is it more to it than we know? Uh, say that one more time. Sorry, I think I missed that announcement. Yeah, no, I'm saying is uh, the commissioner Luck with the XFL. He came out and said that the XFL uh, basically uh, terminated his contract, and so by terminating oh. his contract, they owe him still. And he was saying that obviously he's wrong, wrongly, you know, treated at that point with the contract. So um, I know Vince was hoping to put up all this money, but given COVID and given that his, you know, mainstay, which is the, uh, you know, wrestling and um, the WWE entertainment has obviously taken a hit as well. Uh, I think you just want to cut his losses short. Yeah. You know, at this point with, um, with the crazy situation that we're in, there's a lot of unknown. So I think it could be something. There could be something more underneath that if if he's willing to go public with his grievances. Um, then there might be some more personal issues there because I think otherwise, it's not shocking considering the, the damage that the virus has done to all the businesses around. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I think like if there is that kind of public uh, announcement to it, then there must be something more personal going on. Yeah, I just don't. It kind of seems like odd that he would come out. Normally, he's really quiet. Just seemed like you know, if he comes out, and more likely he was, I wouldn't say the word shafted, but let's use the word shafted. It makes it feel a lot more impactful. Um, Mackenzie, uh, I don't know. If, you know, college football is one of our things. You know, for the fall with the NFL, do we get the kids to go out there and play like the NFL with nobody in the stands, or what's your take on the college side instead of the pro? Um, I think it would be in their best interest to do so and maybe, or maybe even limit it to what college basketball was going to do and have it, you know, have it be immediate, you know, immediate family. Um, 
for that sake, I think financially, I don't think they're going to have a choice because it's, it's going to put some call some of those smaller colleges is going to put them in the hole um, because football is such an expensive sport, um, and that could even put some uh, power five schools at risk, uh, which you know is neither here nor there. But I think I think realistically, the college the college circuit has has to consider has to consider having seasons, like I said, whether it's um, fanless or limited fans. I still think that they need to consider having a season financially for that reason alone, just because football is an expensive sport. And if you, you know, if you end up taking a year off because of this, um, you know, because of this pandemic, it messes with people's eligibility. I mean, we've already seen Wisconsin um, isn't allowing their, you know, isn't allowing their spring sport athletes or winter sport athletes, I guess, to, um, you know, come back or have another eligible, eligible year. Holly, um, how is this? This is just like very weird, right? COVID, if it's still around by the time college football comes around, we're going to have logistics issues, you know, airplanes, transportation, all the factors. Um, I would, I would assume just it's going to be regionally based. The schedule would have to be no different than what it is, but no cross country type of mentality. Um, I don't know, you know, what an alternative would be uh, maybe just SEC or ACC or, you know, I mean, we're going to get to a basically state mandate is going to dictate whether we have college football or not, I guess. Yeah, um, I think the good thing that we have in our favor with um, college football and football in general is that it, you know, is in the fall. So we do have some time still for this to kind of, you know, um, I don't think it's going to be obviously perfect by that point, but I feel like we'll know more of a direction because right now in this moment, and I think that's something that people are forgetting is if you look back, you know, the last like month and a half, how quickly all these changes have happened, it feels like it's been going on for like two years, but really it's been um, in the States, you know, just um, a couple of months at Mm -hmm. the most really. And so if Mm -hmm. you, if you take that timeline about how many, changes have happened that quickly and then you push it out a couple of months by in a couple of months from now we're going to be a completely different place it's either going to be a better place and not so better place but there's going to be a lot of changes between now and september right but where you get i think in an interesting level logistically is in order to get ready for the fall season typically people have their fall camps and in august or around there you know and so Really, I think uh, from what I've heard from colleges is some of the um, ADs are feeling kind of weird because they're like, well, if if our kids can't go to school, then we can't think it's fair for them to play. But then, like Max said, football tends to be the, the bell cow for the sports programs. And if you don't have football, it's hard to find the other non-large paying sports, like things like lacrosse and and that nature, would really take a hit. And it would take a long while to rebuild those programs. And some programs that that don't have a lot of finances might go away. So it's really tough. I think what you'll end up having is um, some sort of adjusted season, like you were saying. Like if if by that point in, like, August – things are still kind of weird, 
I could see them cutting out like out of conference games and just having conference games or going to like a non fan based game. And, you know, I think ultimately as a sports fan, the sooner we can get to a point where we can have sports, even if it's not, uh, even if it's without fans, I think it would really help the morale of our country. Um, you know, if you look historically at big events in our country, like 9-11, et cetera, sports have played a great role in, in renewing hope in people. It's a great bridge to bring people together and make us feel, you know, united. So I'm hoping at some point we can get some sort of things um, going so that we have that outlet. We have something to look forward to. We have some sort of normal to hold on to. So I hope that they can figure it out. But you're right. It's going to be logistically very, very challenging. All right. Uh, Mackenzie, uh, at this point, you know, no football in the spring because it died out and the virus just really killed everybody. Now we have no you know, we're thinking probably the only football we're going to get is X-League because X-League has just announced that they're still doing their season in June, July. So indoor arena basically is the only thing we're going to get. Um, they announced today that they're going to do a superstar program, which the ownership, depending on who they hook up in terms of sponsorship, will be able to try to help out some of the stars that are going to be the faces of the league with some compensation in partnership with those. So they did a Berkeley gold today was the big announcement for X league and the face of the X league is going to be Michelle, uh, Michelle angel of the Austin acoustic. So, I mean, this is a good move for them because in the past they haven't even been able to compensate the players in any type of way. So now it's the way I read it and the way I understand it is they get hooked up with Berkeley gold. They're, uh, it's sort of like the WWE type mentality where, you know, they're going to partner with that brand and then a player is the face of the league and they're going to get compensated for being the face of the league. That's my understanding. So I don't know if that's, this is a good move for uh, Mitchell Mortaza because he obviously needs to put a positive spin from the rebrand and this is probably something that he's never done before. Yeah, and this is this is the tough part about this entire pandemic itself is where you know, you have season you have sports who have started their seasons and have had to postpone and cancel their seasons in the middle of their seasons. You've had seasons that haven't started yet that were in the middle of their preseason training schedules and ended up with essentially having to cancel and postpone theirs as well. With the X League since it is it is uh arena style which doesn't really change it because of the person-to-person contact, uh, so on and so forth, et cetera. I mean, with this having the with them having announced that they're they're still planning on having a season, and I mean, it's gonna bring it's gonna bring it's gonna bring the what's what's the one I'm looking for? I guess uh, it's gonna bring the attention to that league um, that the president and the CEO has been looking for. Unfortunately, I do think it's going to be a little bit temporary because there's nothing else on. Because I don't think they even know at this point whether they're going to have it. I mean, they pushed it out till June, um, so I'm assuming they're still on course to have one. They cut off majority of their schedule, but you know, the the whole point I'm making is if this if this is going to be this kind of move, that's a positive move for the league, is what I'm trying to get at. Is is that they're actually 
incorporating the players, which we talked about, what, a long time ago with Chantel Taylor, right? There was no benefit to the player at some point, you know, even with the sponsors that they had, none of the sponsorship was even allocated with a player. So it, it looks to me like Michelle Angel, based on the uh, disclosure, Michelle Angel is going to be the face of the league. So she's going to be someone compensated uh, by the uh, partnership with uh, Berkeley Gold, which is a CBD type of um, product. So I guess that's good for her. I don't know where everybody else stands, in other words. Yeah, and like I said, and I think that's what's going to be that's what's going to be the, the kicker is seeing how long the the pandemic is pushed out to where we can't do anything, you know, sports wise. And, and I think it's a good thing that they that you know they still want to have this season and want to, are still being optimistic about it. I mean, that's really all you can do at this point. But in reality, it's really just a wait and see thing. You know, having coming up with a plan and having a plan is always good because you don't ever want to you don't want to plan for one thing and then the opposite happen and not have a plan. That's the worst thing you can do. It doesn't matter if it's sports or life in general. But you know, that's the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to go into one thing and not have a have a backup plan. Period. So, Holly, uh, a lot of stars have come and go in this league, even with the rebrand with the legends. Um, so we get. Michelle Angel, who's been a journey woman all throughout the league, you know, from various cities. She lands in Austin. Now she lives in Dallas. Um, do you think she's the right face for the league at this point? I mean, she's a pretty durable quarterback. She's played multiple positions. She's been successful. She's won championships in Seattle. Um, so, you know, do you, do, how do you feel like she's the, now basically the face of the league with this brand hookup? Yeah, I do think it's a, a good choice in the person that they selected. I think I'm I'm really curious to see uh, the fine print and how many other people they're going to pick, or if it's just right. going to be her. Uh, because right. I think if you, uh, when you're talking about a league, because you know it, even with the rebrand, you know who it is. I think right. considering that they have had such a divided. A um, couple of years, and there seems to be a, a huge divide that uh, with people that have come from that league. And I think when you are considering the amount of back-end drama that's happened with that league, I don't know how smart it is to just give one player the ability to, to earn a paycheck. Uh, you're going to run into some resentment if you don't create a program where people can at least – make their way into that um, capability. Um, so on the one hand, I do think it's a good person to pick, but on the other hand, just having one person, I, I really hope they open that up because knowing the people that um, have a lot of negative things to say about this league that have been in the league or around the league, I don't think so we had that Chantel would be... Here, right? Chantel <laughs> kind of let it out. Was that Keith Hack here before? He's He's let it right. out. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of things that Mitchell's got to work on, to your point, right, to try to get this right. to be some sort of an even, equal, you know, playing field for every every player. Um, they, right. They're supposed to put to, together a superstar program. So I'm assuming um, this is the higher elite players or the more visible players that he's going to basically put front and center. But we don't know what the non-superstar players are going to be compensated with at some point. So – it's still a lot of question yeah. marks in terms of how the program works. 
Yeah, and another dynamic I would want to know is what does this program actually look like? Because when you talk about ambassador, that could mean many different things. That could mean that the players that are selected have to do the work themselves and sell because, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, a lot of those multi-level marketing programs, when when you – uh, get integrated into them, your role is ambassador, right? So I don't know what ambassador means. Does this mean she's just being sponsored by that product and she, she doesn't have to do the work herself? She's just getting the benefit? Um, or does this mean she has to put in work? That, like, I don't know. And that would make a big difference as well. All right. So if the details are on our at the hub, at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. You get the article there from the X League Wire. You can fine tune that. But those are some of the questions that obviously uh, myself and other fans, as well as what you're stating here, Holly. So there's still like things that we need to like figure out how it's going to be beneficial or how, what kind of the, how the program is going to be uh, administered at this point. But so far, uh, the announcement was Berkeley Gold, uh, a CBD product, and uh, the X League. Will and Michelle Angel is going to be the face of the league to represent the branding partnership with them. So that was the the bombshell this morning from X League. All right, um, let's go into the draft, you guys. Before we go into the women's news and notes, before we get out of here, so the draft um, Burrow obviously high. Um, so we talked about it uh, the what week ago and two weeks ago. So uh, Holly, you still on Burrow as number one at this point? Um, I think it, it's fair to say that for the Bengals, Burrow is number one. And I, I think from their vantage point, it's a good fit. Um, they need um, some new blood at the quarterback position. He's from Ohio. Um, he's coming off a, a really great year. He has a lot of hype. There, he's going to, you know, if we can go to the games, he's going to sell tickets. So I think um, it's, 99% sure that they're going to take Burrow. Mackenzie, uh, Chase Young, defensive end, Ohio, projected to go to Jennifer King's uh, Washington Redskins. So pretty good ball, baller there. Uh, really good for them in terms of defensive end, give, uh, giving them an upgrade. Uh, Rivera really had that kind of nucleus when he had Carolina. So um, I'm assuming they're going to stick with that pick if they if they stay at the number two spot. Yeah, I don't see the only other possibility I see with Chase Young not going number two is if somebody if if some team happens to you know make a ridiculous trade, um, whether it's you know players money uh, to get that number two spot in order and inevitably take two at that two spot. But I don't see that happening, but it is possible. Um, I also think Chase Young has, has did enough this season to solidify his spot at number two. Um, but like I said, we've seen stranger things happen during the draft. So, you know, I'm this this year's draft is very interesting because there's the top 10, well, I guess really top 15 are all kind of, they're not all just one type of player position. Normally we see, um, like players yeah, at the top, those top one, ten spots. One position, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this year, this year, that's there's not even close to that. I mean, there's uh, three quarterbacks, two offensive linemen, 
two edge rushers, two or three uh, yeah. wide receivers. Yeah. So this this year's top fifteen drop draft class is very very mixed and very um and they're all pretty versatile even for even for being those players that are one you know one position specific. So like I said, we've seen stranger things happen. Um, I I have Chase Young going at two. Um, you know, just because that's that's where he's been, that's where he's been projected, and that's that's where I mean that he you can't I mean he could go number one. Like I said, we've seen stranger things happen. I don't see that happening. Um, I mean, Burrow's pretty much solidified in that number one spot, and he's right behind him at two. Um, Max, since we're staying on that number three, does Okua is Okuda going to help Detroit at cornerback? You think they'd upgrade them at cornerback? I think it does because Detroit did not have a great season. And I think adding, I think with them slowly adding younger talent to their core of team, as far as their 11, that, you know, that start, it's slowly going to make them better. Like they're going to have, they're rebuilding their team through the draft. I mean, they did that last year when they took TJ Hawkinson. So now that, you know, you have to go to the other side of the ball where you're weak. Happens to be a cornerback position. Well, kudos has a very good feel for him. And that's something that Detroit has lacked for the past couple of seasons, even with having veteranship back there. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use him. Um, Holly, we go to Simmons, uh, projected to go to the Giants, a uh, big, big linebacker from Clemson. Uh, would give them a boost, obviously, uh, for New York. And New York kind of in a rebuilding type of stage. So what do you think of Simmons? I think um, Simmons is extremely athletic, and, um, you know, I think the Giants would either, if they don't pick Simmons, I could see them picking a a lineman, maybe a a tackle to try to protect uh, Daniel Jones. But if they don't go that route, I can see Simmons being an excellent choice. I think he's really dynamic. Um, He can play multiple spots in the linebacking core, It'll be interesting to see how they use them uh, in their defense. But I think if you're the Giants, um, it really depends on do you want to protect your quarterback because you think Daniel Jones is the guy, or do you want to shore up your your defense and go with the most maybe dynamic defensive player on the board. And so that's going to be very interesting. I I would take um, Simmons in this spot. Um, and, uh, you know, but we'll see what they do. All right. Um, Mac, Miami, uh, you know, no Tannehill. You kind of revamp the quarterback position. Do you take a gamble on Tua at this point? I don't think you have a choice but to. I mean, especially – and see, the thing about this whole Tua, you know, is Tua's, Tua's durability, Tua's ankle, Tua's hip – um, and even Trent Dilfer, who from the start of to as a essential you know college campaign from the Elite Eleven all the way up to the his first natty, has always been a fan of like he's been the, one of two of his biggest supporters, but he was also one of his his hardest coaches on him at the time. And there was one point where he had told you know he had told Tua that his game wasn't wasn't transferable to the next level, which at that point was college. And I think it's funny how all the haters now are being proved wrong because Tua, I mean, Tua has literally come back from his injury almost better than what he was, to be honest, as far as what 
the videos and footage. And Matt, we're going to be factual have... here. You do hate Alabama, but you do like Tua, right? Just want to make sure we oh, understand that. Oh, I can't stand Alabama. Oh, oh, don't get me started. But Alabama produces wonderful players. I mean, that's, that's just a fact. The, the Nick Saban system works. It's, it's, it's a fact. I just I can't stand Alabama, and I can't stand that fan base. But I'm a football player, so I have to give credit where credit was credit is due. If if I'm the Miami Dolphins, I have no and I'm their head coach and their GM. I have no choice but to take that chance. The only the only other option would be dropping down to get maybe like a Jake Fromm or even Jalen Hurts. But I mean, at that five spot, I'm taking to it right then and there. All right, uh, Holly, the Chargers let go of Rivers, your boy out in Oregon, Justin Hubert. Uh, can he revive Charger land, especially with the brand-new stadium opening up with the Rams in combination? Is he, the, is he the kid to revive Charger land? Yeah, I think so. And another still debate, you know, in Miami between Tua and, and Justin. And um, I think that overall when you have a healthy Tua, Tua is, I think, uh, I guess a more dynamic quarterback and, and some of the things that he can do, but Justin is also extremely smart. And I really felt, you know, as an Oregon fan, the whole entire time he's been in Oregon, um, especially in the last two years, our, the offensive coordinator at Oregon really hampered him and was extremely conservative. So I'm really hoping that he falls to the Chargers because I think that will be a better system fit for him. I think the Chargers can win now. I really thought the Chargers could have won last year before all the chaos and the injuries and then the holdouts and they just fell apart. But I think the Chargers are closer to winning right now than the Dolphins, in my opinion. So I think, Justin, if if I'm Herbert, I'd want to go to the Chargers. I'd want to go to L.A. where I know I already have weapons there. And I think he's going to be a really great fit for, for that system and that city um, so I'm hoping that he goes there. What do you think of Brown? Derek Brown goes to Carolina. Carolina completely revamped. I don't know if, you know, they're going to, you know, be relevant in the South, especially with all the changes down there. But Derek Brown, defensive tackle Auburn, should help them out in some format. They still got a lot of pieces to put together uh, ever since Rivera left. Now we're gonna, now it's kind of a rebuild, I guess, in, in, in Pantherland. Yeah, and if the Giants skip on Isaiah Simmons, I can see the Panthers picking him. If they, if the Giants do pick Simmons, uh, then I think the Panthers, you're right, it's a changing of the guard. They're going to want to change their identity a little bit. And what better way to do that than up front on the defensive line uh, mm-hmm. with a guy in Derrick Brown that can really be a difference maker. And I think if you're coming in um, with a, a, you know, a new identity, that's a great way to do it. I think you'd be um, a really good piece uh, up front for them. All right, Mac, uh, your boy out of uh, Iowa, uh, the offensive tackle, Tristan Wirfs, he's going to Arizona, very good fit there. Murray, you got Hopkins now, you still got uh, Fitzgerald, got a little bit of a good nucleus there in that, in that team. They started to kind of gel towards the late last year. Uh, where do you think this kid's going to help them? <laughs> My guy, Tristan Riff. God, I love him. First of all, he was NFL ready his sophomore year of college. 
to be completely honest with you. But that's neither here nor there. I will state, however, I don't. I think he's going to go higher. Something tells me he's. I don't, I don't know why, but something tells me he's going to go higher. Not much. Something tells Where me do you he's going to land. I Is think it not Arizona. Gonna, you think he's going to land in New York or Miami or? I think it's going to be. A, I think it's going to be a team that needs him now, as opposed mm-hmm. to in a season or two. Um, and I'm only saying that because with the way Kyler Murray plays, the offensive line that. Arizona had previously and what they've added to the to that offensive line has done wonders for Kyler already in his first in his you know in his first season. With that being said, I do think however adding Tristan Rift to that to that play side tackle where he on that side that you know on the quarterback's dominant side will do will do wonders for Kyler Murray. And oh my god, that would be seeing that combination of Kyler and and his dominant side protected would be the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life, to be honest. Um, but if he does not, for some reason, end up in Arizona, I think he's going to end up in a team that needs him, you know, now, like a Giants or even a Jets or, hell, even um, Miami. Wow. Henderson out of Florida, pretty good kid, goes to Jacksonville. God bless him, I guess I say. Jacksonville's been a mess. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. <laughs> You know what I mean? He stays in Florida, but he goes to Jacksonville. Well, at at this point, I think if you're Jacksonville, a couple of years ago, you had pretty much the best defense in the league. And I think it, it's on the right side of the ball. Um, I think they really need to kind of get there. I don't think they're using the hashtag their... Duvall anymore. You think they're using the hashtag Duvall? That? <laughs> I said they're not using the hashtag Duvall anymore. I think that, that's oh, no. trend no, away. Oh, no, 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 no. But I do think they need to kind of get their swagger back a little bit. So yeah, I've yeah. seen people talk about Henderson. I've seen people talk about an offensive lineman. But I definitely think Henderson would be a great attitude fit for them. Um, mm-hmm. And even though he wouldn't go very far, I think he would help them tremendously uh, on the back end of their defense. All right. Uh, Mac, do we do a disservice for – Cleveland to pick up Jedrick Wills from Alabama, the offensive tackle, or are we going to rely that Kelly Branson and company are going to do good to this kid and make uh, the Browns respectable? Well, you know, the Browns are an interesting one. <laughs> wow, the Browns are an interesting one. However, I think they're already respectable with what Baker Mayfield's done and what he well what he was able to do under Freddie Kitchens at that time. With adding Kelly Brown to that, however, whoo, wow! <laughs> I mean, I done. Look, we all we all know we all know how Brown gets down, to be honest. And adding adding Wills to that is going to make it so much more better. I mean, it really is. I mean, he's coming coming from Alabama. You already have to give him respect off top because who his previous coach was and the system that they ran. With adding with adding that piece to what Callie's working with down there. Ooh-wee. Wow. Whew, I'm excited, to be honest. God, I love football. <laughs> well, the draft's going to be interesting. Uh, 1 through 10 is going to be pretty interesting. Mac talked about 1 through 20. We still have uh, Vegas, San Francisco. Um, maybe we'll take CeeDee Lamb from uh, uh, Oklahoma. Uh, projection would be uh, Mickey Beckham, outside linebacker from Louisville, to go to Tampa to help out Brady. 
Uh, we got another receiver at Ruggs to go to Denver. Uh, what do you have? Uh, Kinlaw projected to go to Atlanta. Jason out of LSU to go to Dallas. Um, you have Jones uh, from Houston to go to Miami. Uh, and you got the Raiders trying to pick up Fulton as, at this point from LSU. Uh, the, the Jags get another pick via the Rams uh, Winfield at this point. So it's going to be interesting to see how the virtual draft works in terms of like not being physically there. But apparently, you know, we're looking at the top five, so we kind of ran through the top ten. And uh, Burrow would go number one. You got Young. Uh, pretty much the top five probably kind of shuffed a little bit in that sense. All right, so you guys can check it out. We got everything at the Hub. You got the detail there from um, Bleacher Report. You got from the other uh, sites that we're going to basically just link up and share the links uh, for the mock draft as we come closer to the, to the draft. Next Tuesday, we'll obviously find out who went where and where we were at and how good we were in terms of figuring out where everybody lands, but that was pretty much what we were working with. Um, Holly, uh, WFLA, I didn't see your, I didn't see your, uh, you sign up for the combine. It's going to happen in Vegas. I don't know if you're heading to the combine <laughs> to get paid, because apparently they're paying players. Oh dear, you just opened a can of worms. Yeah, um, I just I don't know what what else to like say or do about about this group. I just I none of it makes sense to me, and it and and then for me it's like okay, like if you really want to do this correctly you would get in front of all the questions and you would say, let me come on or let me go out in public and, and like talk to people and, and, and go on interviews so I can explain what's actually happening. Not just random Facebook live posts where like you don't know what's happening and it's just, all, it, and then the, and then the combines and then you look at the, the posts of like the uniforms and they're not consistent and you're like, what is happening? And, no questions that are actually being asked are answered. And anyone that does have a question, the comments being deleted. And it's just like, gosh, like if you're legit, you're making it very hard for us to believe that you're legit. You're actually going out of your way to make it really hard for us to believe in you. And uh, so we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens on this. But I don't know. I just like I've kind of given so up and trying a, to understand it. You're not on the plane to Vegas. Holly, is that what you're telling me? No. For July 18th? Oh, oh, no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> no, no, it's not. I don't know, Mac. Uh, are you on your way? <laughs> Mac, are you on the plane to Vegas yeah. for July 18th? Ha! Huh. No, if I'm getting on a plane, it ain't just some damn Vegas. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> this is, oh, man, you know, y'all know me. I'm the salty one. I bring, I bring the salt and sass and facts in a good triple threat combination. <sighs> this WFLA, this thing, is a thing because it's not tangible. Nothing's happened yet. I mean, I've not seen an actual team roster. I've not seen a head coach. Although I have, however, had about three or four people in my inbox on Instagram and Facebook and my athlete page. You're being scouted? About, Did you not, are you telling oh, us yeah. you're being scouted? That's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been being, I've been being, I. They've been coming after me since December, maybe November, and I was like, probably not, um, because I believe in, I believe in uh, leagues that I don't know are concrete and have played seasons before and you know have something tangible, which is something that WFLA does not have. 
Mackenzie, this is groundbreaking. You have no idea what you're what you're dealing with. It's groundbreaking. That's what we're told. It's a totally different model. That's what well, we were you know, told. You know, groundbreaking was the bowl of cereal I ate earlier. That was pretty groundbreaking. <laughs> oh this, however, God. not so much. Well, you know, um, you know, back uh, when we first heard about them, uh, they also have hit me up as well. And I might be off their list now because <laughs> I've not said horrible things, but I've not said great things either. But you're you're right in that if anything else in life, like any kind of line of business, any industry, it's it's mind blowing to me actually that more people are still buying it. And it's like the same like people that watch the thing on TV of like, come on down. I need your social security number, date of birth, all your credit card information. Just give that to me now. And if you give me a hundred bucks, I'll give you 1200 later. Like, and people still buy it. And I'm just like, gosh, like you want to believe it. But if you were like a, a person that had a legit business plan, had like integrity and really wanted to do it right, they, you would approach it, you would have approached it completely different than what they have, you know. And it's evident to me that these are people that they don't know the history of our sport. They just assumed a lot. They assumed they knew what they were doing. They they don't know up from down. And I think I'm actually, frankly, also very concerned for the, the quote-unquote owners um, that don't know what they're doing and don't know that the people that are running it don't know what they're doing. So I don't know, Mac, we might be interviewed later on some sort of future you know, Dateline episode, and I'm ready for it. Oh Girl, God. look, you know, you know, I'm just, I'll, I'll, I'll be right there next to you. We can share, we can share a microphone. Hell, you know, because you know, like you said, <laughs> tangibility is a thing, y'all. Like tangibility, like if I, if I don't have something to look forward to, or you know, you know, like the two, the, the two big leagues for women's football, the WFA and the WNFC both have tangible things. We both practice to have games, which is something that is tangible. The WFLA, not so much. They don't have a tangible thing. The, you couldn't you, – you, you, look, I could literally go onto Facebook right now and type in WNFC, and the WNFC's Facebook page will come out. All their contact information for the head office and, you know, OJ, um, Candace, uh, all, everybody that's in the WNFC – um, front office is, is a tangible thing because I can get a hold of them and ask questions. I can do the same thing for, for the WSA. Go to the WSA page, same thing. You know, have front offices, teams, rosters, everything that you need for a football team and league. If I go to the WSLA page, I'm not going to find that. I'm going to find a non-existent soda company. And, oh, jump in the dark. Um, are we jumping the gun too earlier, or should we let it mature till May fifth in twenty twenty one? Should we give them the oh, benefit yeah, no, of I'm, doubt? I'm jumping. I'm jumping they, all kinds of they, guns they right now. They said they're going to fill the LA Coliseum with the LA Fames and the Dallas Diamonds. So, Holly, are, you, are we jumping the gun, or should we just wait and see at this point? Um, you know, I'm, I'm at a point where. I mean, I already, I already jumped the gun a, a long time ago as well, but you I think the gun. I'm wow. kind of just, <laughs> I think, I think it's one of those things where I go up and down. Sometimes I just want to have a sure. bowl of popcorn and then watch the crazy unfold. And then other times I get like, 
<clears throat> I find as somebody that's been around the sport for a minute, I get very protective of the sport and the people involved. And so sometimes I find myself wanting to be like, what are you guys doing? Read the fine print. But I can't do that with everyone. You know what I mean? Like, it's not possible. So I think Mac it's a long Holly, run. Is it weird? <laughs> is it weird or just me that we have no Allison Cahill, no prominent WFA superstars, you know, over the years jumped onto this opportunity? Is it weird that the only people jumping on this opportunity are athletes from other leagues, and some of those athletes are trainers, and they've never played a, a down of 11, 11 man football, and some of them only that come is, from an eight on eight realm? Yeah, that is exactly one of one of my points, right? Like if you um, are going to get into a business that you don't really know the industry. I, I just think common sense says you go find people who know the industry and you find out what you need to know, right? It's part of the process of learning a new industry. They haven't done that. And then on top of it, I have nothing against people that have done really well in other sports or like track or soccer or whatever, you know, does it, whatever you did, it's great. You've, you've earned what you did, but there's a different dynamic between running to a cone when you don't have pads on and putting on pads and knowing how to tackle and get tackled. That is where it gets real, and, and that can attest. Every season when you have two players, the moment you first get that first practice of contact, that's when you know who you have and who you don't have, right? That's where you either know this is a sport for me, I love this, I want more, or this is not for me, i got to go home now. Like, that is that moment, right? It's if you're going to tell me that these people who have never played the sport before can run to a cone, great, that's fine. But then you're going to tell me you're not going to allow them the chance to practice and know what contact is, and you're going to throw them onto a field and say, good luck. That's hard for even people that have played a long time to go to all-star games and you have like one or two practices. That's hard. But we've played long enough that we can do it, right? But if you take somebody off the street who's only ran to a cone a couple of times and you put them in pads and they don't even know how to put the pads on, and then you're like, hey, go and tackle this person who's twice your size. That's not going to end well. So I just don't understand where that makes any sense. That's my little rap. So the so the question relies on a lot of a lot of uh, uh, DMs that I'm getting. Uh, you know, are these coaches in this league going to be USA Football certified? Right. That's number one. Ooh, that's a good are we one. Be yeah. On safety mode. Right. Number two, logistically, okay, we're we're recruiting athletes, but we're not specifically saying football players. Because there's a difference between an athlete and a football player, as you're pointing out, Holly. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, you could be you can be playing flag, you could be playing any other divide, but 11-11 is totally different. And then we don't have a logistic structure in place, like who's running these teams and who's coaching these teams. The ownerships have been announced, but there's no coaches that we can say, well, he's got, you know, long tenure. He comes from a college, Division One. comes from whatever background. We have no history right now as to who's coaching and who's going to guide these teams. So there's a lot of question marks. I think that's where we're at. We're questioning a lot of the question marks because in a traditional foundation for football, uh, those all matter, like to your point. Otherwise, we're going to have a situation where somebody's going to get hurt or killed or die because of the fact they were not given the right fundamentals. Yeah, and it's one of those things that – 
you're exactly right. Like it just seems like what they're doing is is completely backwards from what you would normally do with a football league, right? You would create um, you know, owners and then the owners would hire coaches and they would hire their coaching staff and then they would do maybe a draft or a tryout after that. But they did like the draft first and then there was like one draft and then maybe two drafts and then nobody knows what the draft actually mean. And then and then at the same time, like after you would acquire the players, however way you did it, you would start to have practices. And then you would start to learn those things of like how to put the pads on and how to tackle and deep tackle because that's a process, right? It's like it, it's the, the ABCs of playing football. It's like if you were going to play softball, you you would have to take time to learn how to swing a bat and how to throw and how to do the, the fundamental things to, to play. You can't just show up one day and say, okay, I'm going to put on a helmet and, and hit somebody when you've never done it because it's not going to put you in a position to succeed no matter how great of an athlete you are. And that's one of the things I love about football is it's a great equalizer in that way. I've seen people that have been world-class athletes come into the field and get frustrated because they're not automatically good at it. You know what I mean? It, it takes a while, no matter how good of an athlete you are. So I think it's not fair to those players to just say, show up and, and hit somebody. So I really hope that I'm wrong and they're practicing somewhere because I really think that if they don't do that right, it's going to set them up for failure. Mac, you get the same same feeling here at this point? I mean, I think we're highly critical. I just want to point that out. We are highly critical because this is not a traditional model that you would set up a you know football type of logistics. It's a different model. They've gone through you know the promoting and marketing side first, owners in place. Uh, we have no idea who the coaches are right now. And we and we are they're acquiring rostering, in other words, they're acquiring players in terms of, you know, virtual camps or anything they're submitting to these owners apparently. And these owners, uh, I'm assuming have some coaches. We don't know what those coaches are, but I'm assuming some of those coach some of those owners have coaches to where they're evaluating the talent, but to Holly's point, how you how you can evaluate talent um if you don't have practices or you don't, you know, get everybody together. Of course we have COVID nineteen, so you can throw that out the door right now. We're talking about post-COVID-19 and how that's going to work and how you're going to get up and running in a short amount of window to get all these players up and ready. Three points. Number one, you can be an athlete, but that doesn't mean you're good at the sport. You can be athletic and be super talented. That doesn't mean you're good at the sport-specific athletic that you choose. Football being one of those, being one of those sports. Now, I'm going to take myself, for example, here. I'm a three-sport athlete, and even with my long tenure, I'm still not the best at any three of those sports. So with Holly having been, you know, being said that it takes time to develop, to learn, to play the sport, that's the part that they're missing. You have to have players and coaches. You have to have safety regulations to put everything into place to teach them how to tackle and hit and run correctly. It is very, very different from going to a tryout and running towards a cone and doing a drill and being in practice fully padded and running at each other full speed or running something game speed or running or even running something at a scrimmage speed. So, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to focus on the marketing side of it first. If that's what you want to do, y'all should have did that two years ago. And then by now you should have already had things rolling. Point number two. I mean, I kind of already just said it like, 
if you want to if you wanted to focus on the marketing part of your league, quote unquote, I would have started it earlier. There would have been no there there was no absolutely no sense to start marketing a league in in the, at the end of 2019 going into 2020. Now we have a world pandemic going on and you're stuck and you can't do anything and all you can do is go on live and talk about how great your mysterious phantom drink company is and how awesome you have all these these big time music artists supporting your cause yet we we as a public have not seen any tangibility come out of that that conversation of having these big name people so it's just it's just a matter of us i guess to you guys i guess we're haters we got to be haters now right now until proven otherwise oh, I guess we're haters oh i i i am the, i am the biggest hater like i yeah no there's no doubt about it hate me hate me hate me yep yeah i think i think we're haters but i it, for me like if if you don't like that we're haters then prove us wrong you know if you really are legit then prove us wrong, and then we'll gladly be happy if everything that you had claimed was true ends up being true, then great. Then we're all happy. But I think for me, I'm very protective of the sport, the people involved, the amount of blood, sweat, tears, money. We've we've put our bodies on the line. Some of us haven't had jobs when we've done it. Some of us have not had the the right insurance. Some of us had to relearn how to walk after injuries. Like, we take this seriously because no one else took us seriously until we started taking ourselves seriously. So I think for for my vantage point, and probably Max as well, is that we're protective of this because we care, and we care about the people that are involved in this sport. We've, We've seen how awesome it is and how many great things can come out of it. And we want to protect that. And I think we have every right to, to be protective. The only thing I'm yeah. kind of like, just want to, just want to say that, you know, we as fanatics, you know, we would like some sort of, in my view, we would like some sort of feedback as to why we need to be, you know, not in terms of a questionable thing. We need to just, Somebody needs to come up here and just kind of answer some questions regarding it. We can't even get that even on a live feed. When you go on a, a WFLA live feed, which is on a daily live feed now, if you start asking any type of intangible questions on financials or logistics and things like that, you are literally uh, devoured in a mode where you're, you know, you're told that obviously you're just a hater. And so to me, it's like that's not very professional in, in terms of coming out of the you know, leadership of the WFLA. So, I mean, they're running the show in a different way. Maybe they're running it, you know, as some players have said, maybe they're running in a thug mode, which is they're just, you know, swaying off people from, you know, answering the questions. But there's a lot of players, I can tell you right now, in terms of, you know, they're acquiring, not just from the States, but overseas. Um, and, you know, they're coming over with the, I guess, anticipation that they're going to be on a roster and they're going to get paid from what they're being told they're uprooting their lives and they're coming to the States or they're moving from state to state and they're going to be, you know, put together in certain locations and markets. So I don't know the logistics because they won't tell us. So I'm assuming these players know more than we do. 
and maybe they're at a disclosure mentality, which is they have to not disclose anything at this point. So I'm, that's the only thing I can think of. But there is a lot of players uh, coming from different areas and moving to different states. You know, a lot of players moving to New York for the New York Stars because Ja Rule owns the, the Stars. Uh, there's people moving to San Diego. Uh, there's people moving all across the country, basically, uh, to Atlanta as an example. Um, so there's plenty of players. So if you guys want to know anything about the WFLA that we can't know at this point, you go to the IG page at WFLA underscore football, and you can, you know, there's a daily, WFLA, WFLA daily. You can throw out your question out there. Just beware. You might not get the answer you like, or you might just get a little bit triggered by them in terms of what they can answer or can't answer at this point. So uh, that's where we're at. So, you know, it's like they said they're going to show us, Holly and uh, Mac. They said, you know, just keep at bay. We're going to show you. So we're looking forward to May 5th at this point, 2021. The L.A. Coliseum apparently is going to be the venue. We're going to get L.A. Fames against the Dallas Diamonds. That's what's on confirmed and that was, was thrown out there. Um, how true that will be, we don't know. There is a combine coming up July 18th in Las Vegas, and that will be an all-team combine. So if you want to go there, go to the WFLA underscore football on IG, or you can go to info at WFLAfootball.com. All right. That's all we got pretty much at this point. I want to give a shout-out to Nancy Guerra, Nancy Guerra of IWFA and uh, LFL Austin Acoustic. Our newest Nojo football athlete, Alicia Patsky from Mexico, Team Mexico, bronze-winning Team Mexico. Tebs Rodriguez out there in Puerto Vallarta as well. And then we had announced the MAC, the salty one as well, uh, Nojo football athlete. So we got over 25 athletes now uh, sponsoring our brand and doing a great job of promoting and bringing attention to women's American football. You guys can always go to the Hub. Get the latest lowdown at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. And we're going to do a promo on Twitter. Uh, we hooked up with She Fit, and uh, we're going to be doing a She Fit bra, one bra giveaway. It's going to go through May 1st. So if you're inclined to want to get into the drawing, all you got to do is retweet the post, follow us on Twitter at gridiron beauty, the one minute video. The best video will be chosen by May 1st. The winner will be then given a. Uh, she fit bra of their size so it's a pretty cool deal and it's a pretty good bra actually from what i'm told from everybody uh and it's got good reviews and stuff like that and she fits a great brand so we're hooking up with them and so you got till may 1st just go to the twitter page at great our beauty get the details there and submit your video at this point so um holly mckenzie a lot of stuff that we went through nfl draft wfla and I didn't even mention a WNFC showdown still going on right now. Uh, if you missed it, go to the WNFC page, and you can get to uh, the virtual combines. I mean, virtual camps, excuse me, virtual camps that happen, uh, 1 through 12. And then you can revisit uh, WNFC showdown. Today, it was Atlanta versus Florida and the Phoenix Prowlers against the Seattle Majestics. Yesterday, I believe it was Denver Bandits against the San Diego Rebellion and the Elite against the Phantoms. So uh, kind of unique for the WNFC and it's kind of working out. And I think it's kind of like nice to have given, like you said, there's no football around. You know, it's going to be good stuff. I'm excited um, for this showdown thing. Uh, I hear it's like family feud. I love me some family feud. 
Wow. Love that It's show. been very nice. Um, very entertaining. It's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be. I'm excited. I personally can't wait until um, Nebraska has their turn at, at um, whoever thinks they're smarter than we are. I'm ready for it. Well, I think it's it, it's been great. Uh, I think Philly moved to the round. I, I believe the, the Rebellion moved. Today the Avengers won. Uh, I will get the results of between Phoenix and Seattle this, as soon as we get off the air here. But uh, it's been a pretty good, interesting. And then the virtual camps have been very informative too. So a lot of people like those. Um, got a good feedback on that as well. So, uh, But you know what? We're, we're looking forward to football and we don't have it. So the only thing we know is the WFA, the WFA, WFA is still on board. They haven't made an announcement yet in terms of canceling the season. So that's a good sign crossing our fingers here. And then X League is still alive. So we might get football. Uh, we might have it in both leagues. And so it might be as soon as June at this point. So uh, maybe we get the um, WFA news maybe by the first week of May at this point. I'm thinking it will be around that time when we get either a yay or an A to go on it. Um, it's all going to be, you know, obviously COVID-19 uh, mandates and things like that and things being lifted and some states reopening and things like that. So hopefully we get those two. But uh, other than that, I think we had a good time today. Uh, we'll be back next week to kind of talk about everything that's going on in the NFL, the draft, the aftermath of the draft. And then we're going to talk, obviously, more WFLA news uh, that's coming up. You can come in, and then WNFC Showdown should be continuing as well. So, uh, Mac, it was pretty good uh, for Holly, for myself, and for uh, Mackenzie Brooks here. We'll catch you here for 318 as we dive into the NFL draft aftermath. Have a great night, everybody.